Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Lars. On today's Going In Raw News Brief, we review New Japan's new beginning in Hiroshima Night 1, and last night's Impact Wrestling. And we preview tonight's AEW Dynamite at NXT. But first, John Cena responds to Undertaker calling WWE talent soft. Larson, what's in the news? So you might recall, well, you and everybody everybody. might recall, yeah, everyone, uh, that about three weeks ago during appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience, The Undertaker referred to the current pro wrestling product as soft they don't carry uh, yeah. knives and guns in their bags not yeah. real men and then uh, about a week after that goldberg seemed to agree with the undertaker while speaking with Corey graves on after the bell but steve there's finally finally a pro wrestling legend who has come to the defense of today's product john cena declares uh, that he loves what's going on in today's WWE during an interview with Frendo Alfred Kanawa of Forbes. This is what Cena had to say, Steve. Go ahead. What a mark. He said this. I viewed the WWE as a product outside of myself for a long time. I guess that's why I was so interested in the business side of it from very early on in my career. In that, I, all of his, I'm just going to take a brief <coughs> aside here. His quotes always come off as essays, <laughs> as mm-hmm. think pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep that in mind here. In that, I've seen it evolve, but I've also been called everything, but I've also been called everything that's ruined sports entertainment. I could look at the economics of it and make an argument that between myself and the large amount of folks that carried on the roster beyond the Attitude Era into the Ruthless Aggression Era and the Reality Era, the fans of the Attitude Era certainly looked at our product as not what they're used to, and it wasn't. So I may have a bit of disagreement with The Undertaker's word choice because I don't think it's soft. I think it's different. I think it's bold. It's forcing people to take chances. Forbes did an article on me back in 2020 where I had said that I don't believe that WWE will ever have a marquee star. And here we are less than a year later, and I can blatantly say I was wrong. You want to talk about being too close to the product? I was just too close. Having seen it, having lived it myself, I should have just realized that the company is in transition. It takes a long time. I would say it's three and a half years or more to build a certain talent because I've walked in those shoes. 
Now you have Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. Sasha Banks can be in that conversation, but it's not what I said it was in 2020. It's not a scattered fragment of Super Friends. WWE has just refocused, reshifted, and now is consolidating on marquee stars. They have their marquee stars, and going forward, they will have their big names. As far as those names being larger than life, the enormity of their impact is up to the individuals themselves. And he kind of goes into uh, 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 like the, the self-help quotes there at the end a little bit. Yeah. Um, if you follow John Cena on Twitter, that's basically all it is. <laughs> yeah, he loves that stuff. Um, so, yeah, agree or disagree with the, the doctor of thugonomics, Lars? Uh, at least in the, in, the, in the first part about, uh, you know, uh, referencing Undertaker's comments about the product being soft. I'm in agreement with, with Cena. I don't think the product is soft. I don't think wrestlers are soft. It is just different. Like any storytelling medium, like any art form, it has to continually evolve or get stagnant and it gets stale and then people stop tuning in. Now, you can say from the creative side of things, that might have already happened, but in terms of the abilities, the talents of the in-ring performers, the quality of the in-ring product in WWE has never been better across the board. Yeah, Across the board. Uh, as far as uh, WWE not having marquee stars, they do. Um, and I think in, in a sense... You know, WB, they have been criticized, and I think largely rightly, for not developing stars uh, given the depth of talent on their roster. That being said, he names three who, uh, and you could add Becky Lynch to this list easily as well. Yeah, absolutely. Who are on the precipice of maybe crossing over into the mainstream. Sasha Banks, for sure. She's already in The Mandalorian. She's going to have an action figure soon enough. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's four names over the last five years WB has developed so they could be on the verge of, of crossing over potentially to the mainstream now will it happen uh, that's up in the air I don't think it's it's solely up to the individual as he said the enormity of their impact is up to the individual themselves uh, I mean I guess part of that you know whatever their ambitions are beyond wrestling um, you know obviously Sasha wanted to do some acting she got into it it was awesome um same with Roman. He was in one of the Fast and Furious movies. If he ever decides to go back to Hollywood, do some acting, I'm sure uh, it'll go really well for him. Uh, you know, in terms of WWE developing more and more household names like they did in the Attitude Era uh, and, and prior, that's part of that is, 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 is them kicking things up a notch in terms of their talent development thing. Because they got, we said it countless times. There is at least a dozen people, men and women on the WWE roster, who could be household names, huge crossover mainstream stars. At least a dozen, maybe more, if if they were if the creative behind them was was consistently good, if the marketing from WWE was consistently excellent, um, if they were if they were marketed or or, or or given opportunities to do stuff outside of WWE on a more regular basis, and how much of that is on WWE versus you know. Uh, uh, pop culture at large in terms of giving wrestlers those opportunities. Um, it's there. It just doesn't seem like for a variety of reasons, things have necessarily lined up um, for WWE to really develop mainstream stars uh, of uh, in the number that seems like they should be able to do given the amount of talent they have on their roster right now. I think if you look at it a bit more simply, I don't know what their Q scores are. Isn't that the thing mm-hmm. that they measure? Mm-hmm. I don't know what those are. Yeah. Um, but I do think that maybe if he's looking at it 
you know, from a, a distant standpoint over where he was feeling about the product. And I know he he says he qualifies it by saying he feels that he was maybe too close to the product back then. And now he stepped back a little ways. I do think that there's been a significant shift in uh, a, the names that he's mentioned in terms of them turning a corner at the beginning stage of what you would need for mainstream crossover mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. I think the I think another name that you that is clearly three years out from from breaking through in terms of being a mainstream name is Bianca Belair. I think mm-hmm. in three years, mm-hmm. she's going to be everywhere mm-hmm. um, more so than Sasha is right now. But I do think that I think Becky Lynn, Becky Lynch uh, had that huge crossover moment in, in 2020 where she, if, if, th- if COVID hadn't happened, yeah, we'd probably be talking about her being in fast and furious movies at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, but COVID happened. She thought that was a good opportunity. Her and Seth felt that was a good opportunity to go and start a family. And that's awesome. Um, I feel like she'll be back on track with that she, if, if, if that's where she wants to go uh, sooner than later. Um, but I do think that from a standpoint of WWE has figured out uh, certain characters. And I, I understand that like when you look at the ratings of Raw, for example, Drew McIntyre is not carrying Raw to new ratings heights. I don't know how much you can do as one person, even if you're the biggest star on the planet in turning around a show that's three hours long and creatively is just lackluster and every I, single I, week. And I mean, we, we see Edge popping up on all the WB products or Edge, you know, one of the, 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 the you know, most popular stars WB has probably uh, developed over the last 20 years or so. Uh, even he seems to have little impact on the ratings. Yeah, I do. I, I think that Edge is one of those interesting names who who is a massive star within WWE. But I don't I don't think that I, I never really thought that he was much of a solution in the first place. I thought it was great that he came back. WWE mm-hmm. fans mm-hmm. love him. I don't know that at the end of the day, 20 years from now, if Drew McIntyre fulfills his potential, I think he's going to be a bigger mainstream crossover name than Edge ever was. I mm-hmm. think Edge is like one of the most decorated. I think the most decorated WWE champion. Um, if you take 24 uh, seven title reigns out of it. Yes. Thank you. Or hardcore title reigns. Exactly. Um, I think that that's the case, but I mean, afterwards he got into acting, he did some stuff here and there, mm-hmm. but there are certain people who can cross over and they're like, Oh yeah, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, I think if they fulfill their potential, Roman reigns, WWE has figured out, they have figured out. And when fans come back and they transition him, whether it's, this year, late this year, next year, the year after that, when they transition him to being a face again, he's going to be the most over thing WWE has seen in a very long time. I mm-hmm. think if the creative is there, especially uh, uh, when they transition him, he's going to be huge. And I think Cena might be talking about, you know, the fact that uh, a year ago they had just figured out Drew McIntyre when he beat Brock Lesnar. He'd mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. come into his own. He won the Rumble. They saw the reaction to that. And so you see a couple of these names. And it's like, okay. WWE, they need to be a bit savvier with the creative on Raw, especially. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, all the tools are there for those guys to be mainstream stars. To yeah. you know, on on the playgrounds when you know ten uh, year olds have backpacks. Oh, I got my Drew McIntyre backpack. I mm-hmm. think the potential's there. Whether or not WWE can actually capitalize on yeah. it is a whole yeah. other story. And I still think I wonder if they're in a transition period from. It seemed like for a spell, their their marketing philosophy was. Market the the logo. Market WWE. You know we have a, a, a you know an enormously uh, talented roster of, of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you, you saw a lot of 
merchandise out there outside of toys where it was a huge WWE logo and then a bunch of wrestlers. Mm-hmm, yeah. But yeah. front and center was the logo. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the old uh, uh, thought about NFL. They market the shield. They market the logo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, historically, over the last, you know, probably a couple decades, NFL has not been good in terms of marketing individual players. Mm-hmm, they market yeah. the league. Yeah. And it seemed like for a while that might have been WWE's uh, philosophy. Now, given the success they've had with Roman, uh, you know, creatively, Sasha being at the Mandalorian, Becky uh, crossing over into the mainstream, Drew seemingly have all, all the ability to do the same. Maybe now would be the time to pivot um, away from marketing strictly WWE, focusing on these stars who have a ton of potential to cross over into the mainstream and see if that leads anywhere. I am curious, though. I am curious to know if that was a philosophy or if that was simply because they were unable to make big stars. I don't know. That, that, that yeah. That's a question unto itself. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, interesting uh, uh, words from John Cena. Uh, last night, we had uh, the first new beginning uh, in Hiroshima. Uh, there's going to be another one tonight. Uh, but uh, I thought that I'll be, I'll be honest with you, man. I was a bit underwhelmed by kind of everything last night. Uh, I, th- I to me, to me, the high point was the opening match where uh, the young lions took it to Suzuki. Dude, uh, Umura is damn impressive. He's good. I love the, the Suji has a great look to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love those dudes. I think they're going to be huge. I kind of want to f- understand like where are they going to end up when they go on excursion, man? Cause I kind of want to mm-hmm. follow them where, wherever they're going and see their development. That's one thing I've never really done is I know Shada is in, uh, in uh, Rev Rev Pro right now, but yeah. I don't know how yeah. much they're actually running shows. Yeah, I don't um, know either. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, no, I like that uh, Suzuki uh, uh, ended up getting the win. Of course, uh, tapping out or did he pass Amura, out? Yeah. Amura. Amura passed out. Yeah, because he, he slapped passed the hell out, out of yeah. him and then put him in the single leg crab and passed out. But Amura had a great showing. I was really impressed with him. Really, yeah, he, really impressed. He's they got a couple of young lions that are really, really impressive right now. After that, uh, Bushi mm-hmm. taking on Master Wado. I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting Master Wado to uh, get the W here. Uh, but, uh, nope, Bushi picked up the win. This was a competitive match. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. it was pretty solid. Bushi got the win with the uh, MX. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was well yeah. done. Yeah. They're giving a lot. Of, they, since they're doing fewer matches and they have kind of like a time limit on the shows, it seems like they're giving more matches opportunities to breathe. Yeah. So like some, even some of these tag matches early in the show felt like they were, you know, like 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. This next match was just an absolute mess of a match. Yeah. Bullet yeah. Club, LP, Ishimori, Evil, uh, 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 Tokyo Pimp, and Jay White, who I thought was going to have a much more featured role in this match. But yeah. this was this was almost comedy stuff here versus Chaos, Okada, Yano, Ishii, uh, Goto, and uh, Yoshihashi. Um, but this was just this was just this was a mess. I mean, basically, it, this match exists for two reasons. Number one. To set up Jay White versus Ishii, which we know how that's going to go. And then, of course, Okada versus Evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Yano ended up getting a roll-up win on, I think, Tokyo Pimp. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, For the win. After a low blow, yeah. After a low blow, yeah. And then uh, Okada... Afterwards, uh, tried to go to Evil into the ring. It looked like uh, Okada was trying to keep himself from laughing this entire time. He was. He He was. was. He, was, he had not, a half he, smile on his face the entire time. Well, like young lions are trying to like get him out, away from the ringside area. Yeah. He's trying not to laugh. When when evil well also when evil rolled in and rolled back out, he's just sitting there like that, and he just looks like he's gonna <laughs> laugh. 
It's it's goofy. I don't know when that singles match is going to happen, but oh, uh, probably a New Japan Cup. That, that probably what they're build too. I think that's, that's what they're month. that's what they were talking about on the road too. Uh, yeah. I don't. They might make it. They they might. I don't know what it, does Castle Attack generally have any sort of theme to it. I wonder if that might headline Castle Attack. That's like a great good name for a show. It's a great uh, name for a show. Yeah. Next, Sonata Tetsuya Naito taking on uh, Kota Ibushi and Hanma. Uh, Hanma eating another pin. Yeah, I haven't really seen the whole, apart from uh, the other New Beginning show, I haven't seen a lot of the Road 2 ones. I'm assuming Hanma's eating a lot of pins during this, uh, yeah. this build-up to, there was to New Beginning. One, there was one match where he actually pinned, I think, Naito. Uh, and it, but it was it was like, you know, the, the perfect storm leading to that to happen. And they yeah. celebrated like it was Luger beating Yokozuna. Yeah. It was like everybody just completely. It was on one of the road twos, and it was like a big, big deal. Hanma, when he moves around, I just it hurts because that <laughs> neck injury. It's it's like got a bad neck, man. It's got a bad neck. It's got a bad um, neck. So yeah, Naito ended up pinning Hanma after Destino. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you think of a of a of a of a more mellow feud but than uh, uh, Ibushi and Sonata at the end of this match when? The ref gives Ibushi his titles back. He's in the yeah. ring, and it's just a shot with the two of them. And Sonata just sort of mills about, and then he just sort of puts his elbow on the apron, and he just sort of looks at the titles. And Ibushi just sort of started chatting him up a little bit, and Sonata's like, there's zero heat. Yeah, they fist bump. There's zero heat here. That's kind of how I felt about Sho and, and uh, Hiromu. It was the same. It was the same. And, like, the match was fine. I didn't feel invested because I didn't feel like there was any real... There's nothing personal going on there, you know? Yeah, it, it was all just, it's its all this spirit of competition stuff, but it just doesn't translate into any tension or drama. It, like, yeah. usually, okay, you start off with, like, spirit of competition, and then things get chippy, right? Yeah, yeah. Things have gotten less chippy as this as these both these feuds have moved on. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Like, it's like they're going to, you know, start these matches, you know, uh, enjoying some tea together or something. Yeah, no, they're going to they're gonna do some uh, pre-match stretching in the ring before the match begins. Right. Some some casual exactly. banter, some bants. Exactly. So uh, th- this next match was chippy, but it was also really weird. So uh, <laughs> we got Dangerous Techers taking on Grills of Destiny. So Tomatonga, he's been in the possession of the uh, Iron Finger Glove yeah. uh, since World Tag League. And so he's teasing Taichi about that. And so he has this giant bag, plastic bag. Inside are smaller paper bags. They're like takeout bags, I think. Yeah, filled with stuff. So he tosses all that in the ring. And uh, the idea is uh, the iron fingers are somewhere in one of those bags. And so early on, Taichi's digging through them all, trying to find it. There's like a boxing glove and some other stuff. Later on, Kanamaru gets his hands on one of the, the smaller paper bags, opens it. There's a broad side. That so it opens funny. up with all this silly stuff. Yeah. But then there's a whole middle section where it's like a pretty decent tag match. Actual tag match happens. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, there's like a lot of cool stuff, like double submission stuff, uh, yeah. uh, really hard-hitting physical stuff. Like there's a whole bit where Zack Sabre Jr. is like absorbing all these blows, and then finally he collapses. He gets back up, and he like dulls some out himself. And then like the real silliness happens because Giotto comes down. He's got the iron finger glove. Yeah. And then it's just uh, it's just a, a, a Benny Hill comedy here. It really because is. Because he hands it off to Tomatonga. 
Atama puts it on. Doku hits the ring. He hits Tama with an enziguri. Tama clobbers him with the glove. He tries to hit Taichi with it. Taichi kicks Tama's arm. The glove flies off. Taichi picks it up. He's about to put it on, which is a big moment. Tangaloa uh, uh, clobbers him from behind. Tama gets the glove back. Zack Sabre Jr. puts Tama in a sleeper hold. So Tama dro- drops the glove. Taichi finally picks it up. And in this huge moment, like He-Man, you know, turning from Prince Adam into He-Man, puts on the glove and marks out. Yeah. Um, Looks like he transforms into a wild man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's now trance. They they love these trance characters. These uh, uh, seemingly where yeah. they just sort of leave themselves. So he's about to hit Tama with it, but the ref comes to tries to stop him. He pushes uh, Taichi pushes the ref into the corner, hits Tonga Loa. Uh, 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 Jado then hits Zack Sabre Jr. with the kendo stick so he goes down and then he hits Taichi but Taichi is so infused with power of the iron glove mm-hmm. that he no sells it hits Jado with the glove uh, uh, the ref is up Tamatang is begging Taichi not to hit him with the glove uh, he charges at Taichi Taichi decks him with the iron glove as the ref comes to and then uh, in a rare DQ uh, yeah. Gorilla's a destiny to get the win here yeah then afterwards like Taichi's just decking everybody with the glove. Kanamaru comes in, tries to settle him down. Taichi takes a swing at him. Kanamaru ducks it. Uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. is over there, like basically bear hugging Taichi, mm-hmm. trying to get him to calm down. Mm-hmm. And he just ends up collapsing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, Taichi this, does in the middle of the ring. This is goof city, man. This is It was goof. weird. This is so outside of, of what we usually expect from New Japan, this type of stuff. Maybe Not hey, it's bad. Like, I enjoyed it for the most part, because I like Taichi a lot. They're, like, gearing up for, like, this AEW crossover thing, so they're getting more into the goofy stuff. AEW sometimes likes to get a little bit goofy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they're uh, going to do a your... DDT Pro thing. Could be. Yeah. Uh, then we got our main event show, challenging Hiromu Takahashi for the junior heavyweight belt. Uh, you know, the... I, I, I gather this is kind of one of Hiromi, Hiromu's uh, uh, macro stories, overarching stories, because they said that he had the longest match, uh, like junior heavyweight match, I think, at Wrestle Kingdom. This mm-hmm. is the longest junior heavyweight title match ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess he's doing an endurance thing, yeah, which you would think would eventually catch up with them in some respect, because this went 35 minutes. Oh, wow, yeah. Again, not bad. But since yeah. there was no personal story that I sensed between the two of them, it was good. Yeah. I never felt I was invested in it, though. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on this one, man. I really wasn't into this match all that much. I was actually really looking forward to. It. Maybe my expectations were too high, but to be honest with you, there was really nothing. There was nothing on the road on any of the road two stuff that I watched that really would indicate, oh wow, this is gonna be great. It's just you'd see these two names and you figure it's gonna yeah. be great. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was what it was. Uh, yeah, but you could even tell like by the finish. I think it was like a, a, a Romu hit him with like a two time bombs. Yeah. Um. And uh, and then he got the win with that and the crowd really didn't even seem, you know, I know that they're not allowed to like shout or whatever, but like it just there was no energy to any of this, stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is weird mm-hmm. for a match with these guys. Yeah. Uh, um, afterwards, LP, he was doing commentary for the last two matches. He jumps over the barricade, uh, starts going after Hiromu, starts loading up for a kick with his loaded boot. Bushi runs down to make the save, and the he, loves how he loads it up too. He yeah. he, he kayfabes the hell out of like getting whatever is in the boot to the right spot, the exact right spot. Yeah, so Ishimori runs down to kind of even the odds. LP goes for a kick. Hiromu ducks it, uh, sends him and Ishimori from the ring. The LP gets on the mic. He's like, "I'm sick and tired of Hiromu making me and and uh, Taiji look like fools." Says uh, Hiromu, "You didn't earn that title." This uh, I think he said his BS company gave it to you, and I'm not leaving Japan till I take that title off you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hiromu grabs a mic and uh, uh, challenges them to a junior heavyweight tag title match. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll see if uh, Lij can pull that one out. Uh, after that, uh, we got well. That was it for the show. That was last the show, night. Yeah. Last night, along with the Enforcer, we watched Impact live on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Stephen Larson. It's always a good time, good time on Tuesdays. Uh, and uh, here's your results from that. Uh, we had multi-man tag action, Josh Alexander, Trey Miguel, Suicide, and Willie Mack uh, taken on Blake Christian, Chris Bay, Davari, and Ace Austin. Uh, the, the, the newly returned Trey Miguel tapped out Blake Christian uh, to get the win for his team of yep. good guys there. After that, Kimberly defeated ODB via roll-up mm-hmm. after there is some business going on ringside between Jordan Grace, Jazz, mm-hmm. and Deanna, Deanna Perazzo. Perazzo. Yeah. Uh, after that, uh, Jake something. That's actually what he's billed at. Build, build as these days. <clears throat> and uh, Violent by Design, of course, Eric Young's Young Love uh, group with the Confused yeah. Cowboy. Yeah, uh, They had like a moment where they basically just take out. They they threatened to to basically break the neck of uh, Cousin Jake there. But it was like a recruiting uh, uh, tool, essentially, right? Come, come be with us. Yeah. After yeah. that, we had another Tony and Tony paid advertisement. This, this was great because Tony Khan basically makes the realization that he is in fact this forbidden door and and he and it swings both ways and he's open to new ideas larson <laughs> this was great stuff he wants to do more of it uh <laughs> after that uh uh Nevea defeated tasha Steeles by disqualification mm-hmm. uh black taurus came to impact which yeah man great. that was great and he uh, beat the crap out of uh, uh caleb conley Oh, wait, no, it wasn't Tasha Steeles. It was Kira Hogan, my bad. Okay, okay. It was Kira Tasha, Hogan, I believe. Tasha Steeles was uh, ringside. She, yeah. Tasha Steeles interfered. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then uh, uh, James Storm and Chris Sabin uh, versus the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, ended in DQ after Matt Hardy sent Private Party down there to interfere a little bit just to wonk their match. And then uh, after that, uh, Scott Demore made the uh, Impact Tag title match at No Surrender, a triple threat match mm-hmm. uh, putting Storm and Sabin in along with the Good Brothers and Private Party. Right. Matt Hardy wasn't too happy about that. Yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, this really cheesy, super cheesy. Speaking about a segment with no heat. Contract signing between Tommy Dreamer and Rich Swan. Moose comes down and, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I want title shot. And then and they have the, the worst, the worst uh, crowd audio that they pump in there with zero motivation. At least in Thunderdome, you get the zoom screens up. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe the audio is coming from that, even though mm-hmm. it's not. No, it's not. Uh, this was so – and then Dreamer gives us really long-winded, cheesy promo at the end. It's supposed to be all, like, heart-wrenching or something. And, like, the crowd is all, in, the, the crowd is all into it. It, this was so super cheesy, but it was pretty silly. It, it was, was I mean, it, it, it's impact, so I don't care. It's still entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, rather that than being boring, I guess. Exactly. Uh, we got some hopefully not boring wrestling tonight. AEW NXT. Let's do an AEW preview first off. Chris Jericho and MJF versus the acclaimed. That'll be good. We got uh, Cody and Lee Johnson versus Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. Has he been on Dynamite before? He's been on Dark, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's been on Dynamite. Not as an active wrestler. He was a a lumberjack a couple weeks Mm -hmm. back. Uh, The uh, Women Eliminator Tournament kicks off. Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. This should be really good. Should be really good. Also, we got Pac versus the oddly familiar Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth. Yeah. Uh, We're going to get a Sting interview. 
again. Uh, this should be really good. Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. That should be for the TNT title. That should be good. I hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah, no. Hangman uh, Page. He's going to say something. Oh, that's good. And then uh, in our main event, we got Kenneth Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley and Lance Archer. That should be very interesting. So no DQ. I believe, I believe false count anywhere too. Oh man, that should that should be, get crazy. Uh, on is, NXT, go ahead. Want, he wants no part of Kenny Omega, dude. That's going to be I interesting. Know. I know it's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, over there on NXT, we'll be reviewing that tomorrow on our Twitch channel. Of course, tonight we'll be doing AEW. Uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart taking on Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell in women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Action. Yes, and now we got some intrigue here going to the takeover. So Austin Theory is going to battle Kushida tonight after announcing Gargano injury. So this is from W.com. On Tuesday night, Austin Theory tweeted that Johnny Gargano, John, will be unable to compete against uh, uh, him at TakeOver Vengeance Day. And that was the fault of Kushida. Mm-hmm. As a result, Austin has challenged Kushida to a match tonight with Gargano John out of action. What will this mean for NXT TakeOver in the future, the North American Championship? This is totally a work, but they're actually like put, putting it out there somewhat like it might be real. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just find out what happens. I mean, yeah, you think it's a work, but maybe he is out. Maybe he's out. Uh, yeah, maybe i got to figure something else uh, out. I I, I, I'm, I'm just assuming taking it as a work until uh, proven otherwise because Austin Theory is the one who announced it. It's, it's, did you watch his little video in the car? Mm-mm. He's hilarious. He's, He's pretty it, funny. It, it's, it's like this whole The Way thing has opened up. Something I think a lot of people might have seen back in his like Evolve days or whatever, but I don't know. He's great. Uh, <clears throat> we also have Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher going to be taking on the grizzled young veterans in the Dusty Cup semifinals. Also a Dusty Cup semifinal match, MSK to face Legato Del Fantasma. Uh, Cameron Grimes is going to return on NXT this week. That's fun. Yeah, uh, this was uh, announced on WB.com's Twitter. So it's backed by Tian Shaw. Uh, Zaya Lee returns to action tonight. That should be great. That should be really good. Karrion Cross and Scarlett are also going to show up tonight on NXT. And then finally, NXT champion Finn Balor to come face-to-face with Peter Dune. Peter Dune, right on. Should be a lot of fun tonight all around. Hopefully, he'll join us for our AEW recap tonight on Twitch, uh, about 7.30 Pacific, mm-hmm. uh, 10.30 Eastern. Thanks, yep. everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Help support Going In Raw today by becoming a Friendo Club TV member. You'll get access to new bonus episodes every week, including Friendo Club Arcade, Live Power Rank, Vintage 10 for the Wins, and Ask Steven Larson. Get access to Friendo Club TV today by becoming a $5 and up patron at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson, by throwing us a sub at twitch.tv forward slash Steven Larson, or by clicking join at youtube.com forward slash Steven Larson. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.